0: Amen. Good morning, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. If I haven't seen you yet this year, happy new year. Amen. To those of you online, if it's the first time watching this year, happy new year to you. Yes. The old is gone. The new is here. It's a new year. Amen. And we have a fresh start, a second chance, a new season, <laughs> a new beginning, pick whichever one. <laughs> Uh, suits you the best. But there's always something fresh about a new year. It's like (sighs) you can breathe. You can kind of breathe out the past. Breathe in the new and believe and trust and hope for new ventures, new achievements. Many of you are actually entering a new season in your life in this new year. And it's something wonderful to look forward to. Some of you, it's just a continuation of last year. Same old, same old. But listen, it's never same old, same old. Because there are always new things in our lives. New challenges, new opportunities, new blessings. Amen. And so let us embrace the new year and make it count. Amen. Last week, I shared some foundations Upon which you can build in 2022. In fact, I shed some foundations upon which you can build 2022. Amen? Foundation of gratitude. It it must be a foundation, a constant in our lives. And we heard about it this morning already. As you look back, there is always something that you can be grateful for. So make gratitude a constant in your life. The foundation of humility. There is so much pride in this world, and pride destroys. In fact, God himself resists the proud. And <laughs> Listen, if, if there's one person you don't want to tick off, it's God. Hello? <laughs> you, you want to be on his side, right? You want him with you, not against you. So humility will help you along that way. And of course, the foundation of faith and hope, they go together. We need faith and we need hope. And above all, the foundation of love. Oh, this world would be so much better if there was more love. But there can only be more love if people are more loving. And you are people. (laughs) I am people. Amen. So it means that we need to continue to learn to be loving. Receive the love of God. Learn about the love of God. Learn to receive the love of God. It's amazing how many people resist the love of God. And you see, God is love. And so we have, if you have God in love, he helps us. He teaches us to love others like he loves others. Believe it or not, that friend at work, that irritation, irritable colleague at work, that annoying friend in school, that teacher that doesn't understand you, that boss which is such a pain in the you know where, God loves them. Believe it or not. And we can learn to love people, even the difficult people, if you allow the love of God. And you know what? If we can do that, churches, schools, homes, we need more love in every area of society. I can't just sit, wait, sitting for other people to become more loving. I have to start becoming more loving. And if each one of us does that, we begin a ripple effect of helping others. Now, to build on, if you want to build 22 on these things, to build means to grow. When you're building, you are growing. And as believers, it should be our continuous quest to grow as what? Disciples of Jesus. Do you know when you receive Christ as your Savior, that's when you become a disciple of Jesus. But that's not the complete work. That's only the first step. You're going to be a disciple for the rest of your life here on this earth. Which means as long as you're on this earth as a disciple of Christ, you are growing or you should be growing. We, we serve an eternal God. We're going to spend eternity with Him. And so our limited time here on earth... <laughs> There's so much we can learn. We can never learn everything about God in our limited time here on earth. And so if you are open to growth every single year, every single month, every single week, every single day, we can grow grow in the knowledge of God. And so as disciples, our quest should be to grow, to experience more of Him, become more like our Savior, like our leader, like our Lord. Amen. And through our lives, help others to come closer to Jesus too. If the Lord is good for us, he's good for everybody. We're not going to be exclusive about this. Jesus died for all. He loves all. And he has invited us to work with him in bringing others to know him. It's a wonderful privilege. And we get to do this. If we allow ourselves to grow as disciples of Christ. Amen. And so this morning, I want to share with you a growth checklist. Okay? A growth checklist. A list of practical things that we can do to grow as disciples of Christ. Hopefully, this is New Year and you've made a couple of New Year's resolutions, you know. This year, I'm going to get science. I'm going to get maths. I'm going to learn that new skill. I'm going to progress in my work. I'm going to learn this thing. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop that. Hopefully you've got some things, some goals, some things you want to do. It's still early in the year. You've still got time to set up some goals, but you don't just need a goal. You need steps to get into that goal. So once you decide what you want to do, you need to put some steps down. I need to do this and this, and those become like your checklist that you things you've got to do to achieve that goal. Well, you want to grow as disciples of Christ. God expects us to grow as his disciples. So in the word of God, they give us a checklist. God gives us a checklist that we can look at and we can regularly compare our lives and see how are we doing? How are we growing? And I want to share that with you this morning. Our reading comes from 2 Peter chapter 1. And in this chapter, um, in this second letter of Peter, Peter greets the, the church, greets the people. And then he tells us that God's power has given us, has given us everything we need to live a godly life through the knowledge of Jesus. Listen, whatever you need to be a strong disciple of Jesus, Jesus has already given you. God has given it to you through Jesus. So we have it. All we need to do is learn about it and apply it. Hmm? Yeah. And, And that really becomes tricky because sometimes we don't always realize what God has given us. What we've got already inside of us. What we've got in the word. And so we run around in this life Busy with our lives, busy with this and busy with that, and our day-to-day running around. And it seems that the more gadgets we invent to help us with life, the more they keep us busy. And the busier we are, and the more pressured we are, the more stressed we are. And you're so busy running around all these things that we leave out the important things of life. Hello? How many times have you been so busy with stuff and you've ignored your family, your friends, forgotten important dates? But you're busy, 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 busy. Busy with what? Huh? And so we need to stop a little bit and say, God, help me to get a bit of focus here and do the things that really matter. And so Peter says, listen, God has given you. Everything we need to live a godly life through Jesus. Everything you need is there inside of you. Who's inside of you? Holy Spirit, amen. Isn't He enough? (laughs) More than enough, amen. Right, guys? The Holy Spirit is in you. We need to become aware of that and aware of what God has put in us and then work with the Holy Spirit to develop those things. And He says that God has given us valuable promises and He has done this so we may participate in His divine nature and escape the evil in the world caused by our sinful desires and nature. That is the nature of everybody in the world. Every human being has A sinful nature because you are fallen and you leave people alone and they tend towards sin. Just like nature tends toward chaos. All right? If I don't mow my lawn, it doesn't tend to be neat. It tends to chaos. Amen? That's the nature of the broken world we live in. And so we need to understand that we need to run to God and and allow that nature of God, divine nature, to be built and developed within us. And so then after giving this introduction, Peter proceeds to give us a list of things we should do. Things that should add to our faith. You believe in Jesus, great. You gave love to Christ, great. You, you, You need that faith. That's your initial step. Now to that... You're going to add some things. You're going to add some disciplines. You're going to add some powerful things. So here we go. Let's read. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. For this reason, the reason that is just mentioned, that you have within you holy text, all of a godly light, da, 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 da. For this reason, make every effort. Every effort, man, make that effort to add to your faith, what? Goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. Listen, I suggest you write these things down, seven things in this list. And I suggest you write them down or maybe you can write the scripture and highlight those seven things and, and put it in your fridge or in your car or in your diary or whatever that you can regularly, as you have your quiet time, just have a look at that checklist and ask yourself, how am I doing? Lord, help me. Help me to see and understand my life and help me to, to develop these things, to practice these things, to add these things to my faith. Amen? This is the checklist for growth. Seven virtues. Amen? Seven virtues that we are to pursue in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, everything that God asks you to do, He never expects you to do it alone. He Himself will come alongside you in the person of the Holy Spirit to strengthen you, guide you, and help you to do what He has asked you to do in the first place. Amen? Remember, you are never on your own. So invite him to come with you in this journey and develop these things. Peter's emphasis is on our effort effort, to actively pursue these things. He says, make every effort. Now listen, you're not working for your salvation. Amen? You cannot put effort into being saved. That work has been done. It's settled. All you've got to do is believe but now, in developing yourself and in growing as a disciple of Christ, you need to put effort. Everything worthwhile in this life requires some effort. Hmm? You want a healthy marriage? You must put effort into it. You want healthy relationships and friendships? You must put effort into it. You want to score good marks in school? You've got to put effort into it. You want to progress in your work? You've got to put effort into it. You want to start and grow a business? You've got to put effort into it. Come on. Everything in this world requires effort. And then we come to our spiritual matter and says, oh, I'm going to do nothing because if God wants me to become like that, he will just make me like that because he's God and I'm not. And Oh, come on. Stop it. Everything you need to become, you've got to put effort into it, including spiritual growth. And so the word of God gives us and he says, guys, put every effort. That means you got to do something, man. I've got to do it. I don't get to be holy, to be, you know, spiritual, to get to know Jesus. I don't do it by osmosis. But just sitting next to other Christians and hope it rubs off. (laughs) No. Yes, other Christians can encourage me, can teach me, can challenge me, can, you know, but I have to put in the hours. I have to put in the time. I have to put in the effort if I want to develop spiritually or in any other area of my life. Huh? (laughs) So here we go. Let's look at this list. Use this checklist. For prayerful self-evaluation, amen. And I'm going to share the. the I'm going to go over again the, the seven very quickly with you. After each one, there will be self-evaluation questions for you to ponder on. You may want to record them. You may want to go and watch this teaching again, just to remind you and so on. But let's go. The first one that he says you must add to your faith what goodness, goodness. That means moral excellence, virtue. Being a good person. If you want to be a fruitful Christian, then you need to grow in goodness. (laughs) The evidence of your faith will be seen in the goodness of your life. How do others perceive you? As generally a good person or a bad, selfish, and ugly person? You know, we all, as we live with people, we kind of get a bit of a vibe, don't we? You get a vibe. And, and, of course, you can't please people every time. You can't please everyone all the time. Forget about that. And no matter how good you try to be, there's going to be the odd person who's going to hate you and dislike you. And, mm, okay. What you're going to do? You're going to be bad right back at them, right? No, you're going to love them because you're different. Huh? Sometimes we feel like being right bad back at them. But you are what? A disciple of Christ. And so we need to pray for them and and love on them. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to like them. But you have to pray for them. Amen? (laughs) Okay. But goodness. Goodness. Peter has already told us that Christ has called us by his own glory and goodness. So Christ is good. And we have the spirit of Christ in us. So that will help us and will challenge us. To be good like Christ. If we are going to be Christ-like, then it stands to reason that we should be becoming more and more like him. And so we should be becoming good like he is good, right? <laughs> and throughout his life, Jesus went about doing good. Amen. And, and the moral excellence of his life draws us to do the same. I've just told you that even if you try to be good, doesn't mean people are going to like you. Jesus was good. Did everybody like him? But he was good anyway. Huh? He was good anyway. And, and that is our challenge, people. And that's what God is calling us to do. Let us look at, at Jesus, at his life, at, at his character, and let us endeavor, put effort into being like that. It's going to be tough sometimes. And with some people, you're going to have to fast and pray before you do something good. But it is our calling. Amen? So put effort into it. So Peter says to the believer, listen, you participate in the divine nature. His spirit lives in you. So make every effort to grow in this goodness. Pursue goodness and moral excellence with all your energy. So the question is... How can you become more active in doing good to others? Maybe you are aware of ways in which you are good to other people. Great. Keep it up. But the question is, how can you become more active in doing good to others? If you can't think of anything right now, maybe you should go and pray and say, Lord, help me to get one or two things going, yeah, that I can be actively, intentionally, On purpose, I can be good to others. Start learning to do good. Goodness, amen? Number two is knowledge. The word here means practical wisdom, moral wisdom, understanding. Grow in knowledge. And if you want to be a fruitful Christian, you need to grow in wisdom, in depth, in stability, in maturity. And the way that happens is through the Word of God. Getting to know the Word of God. The Word of God needs to be learned. The Word of God needs to be believed. It doesn't help just to know the Word. The devil knows the Word. (laughs) Okay. He knows the Bible better than any of us do. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't act upon it. You know, he, he rejected it long ago. So, it doesn't help to know the Word. So many evil people can quote you the Bible. No, the, the Bible must be known, but believed, applied, and obeyed. Amen? Hallelujah. Learned, believed, applied, obeyed. The Bible is much more than information. David said, your word is a lamb to my feet and a light to my path. Amen? And you will find the direction, you will find wisdom And stability as you meditate, as you learn, as you read, as you think about God's Word. And so the question for us here is, what opportunities are you taking hold of for learning God's Word? What are you doing that is helping you to learn God's Word? Oh, you're doing one thing right. You're here, okay. You're watching. You're sitting here. You're hearing the Word of God. That's a good step. What else are you doing? Because you can't grow just with sitting in a service on Sundays. There's more you've got to do. What are you doing daily to grow in the Word of God? Do you hear the sermon and then forget about it? Or do you go in the week and and revise it and go over your notes and maybe try and apply what you're learning over here? Pray and read more, talk about it. So what opportunities are you taking hold of for learning God's words? Are you taking full advantage of all these opportunities? Number three is (laughs) self-control. That's a kind of a self-explanatory one. But self-control is controlling your passions instead of your passions controlling you. Everybody, I suppose, knows someone with a short fuse. You say the wrong thing at the wrong time and boom! (laughs) That person has no self-control. Maybe that person is you, (laughs) okay. But but you've got to be careful, all right? The Bible says we need to exercise self-control. Now, isn't this ironic? Look who's saying this. Look who God chose to write this particular instruction. Who come to us and say, my brothers and sisters, you must have self-control. Who's saying this? Peter. The one guy who had little self-control. The one guy who would just do things without thinking. Say things without thinking. The one guy of all the 12 that did not have self-control in his life. <laughs> well, you know why? You know why he's doing this now? Because by the time Peter's writing this, he's learned some self-control. He's been through it. Between Jesus and the Holy Spirit... He's been sorted out. And of course, a couple of other apostles, which also kind of spoke to Peter. And we need sometimes our brothers and sisters to kind of speak to us. Because sometimes God speaks to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. And they go, shh, Lord. Shh. And we carry on with our nonsense. And we need sometimes a loving brother and a loving sister to come and say, hey, stop it now. Enough already. Think before you act. Think before you speak. Why are you allowing this thing to control you all the time? Stop it now, man. Let's work together. Let's pray about it. And we need to work through those things in our lives over which we seem to have no control. If Peter could do it, so can any of us. Amen? (laughs) So the question is, where do you need to exercise more self-control? Where do you need to exercise more self-control? Is it in eating and drinking? Is it in what you watch? Is it in how much or how little you sleep? In what you spend? In relation to your moods, your anger, your tongue? You know you, (laughs) okay? So allow this checklist to speak to you and ask yourself, where do I need to exercise more self-control in my life? God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Remember, it's inside of you. So make it a life commitment to continue growing in self-control. Amen? And it might not be an overnight thing. It might take a while. You might, take some, you need, might need help from a brother or sister to, to, to walk with you for a while, but pursue it. He says, put effort into it. Pursue it. Amen? Number four is perseverance. (laughs) Something you will need if you want to get the self-control going. You got to need some perseverance. Perseverance means to to press on. It means pressing on when you feel like giving up. And so many times, we we make these brilliant decisions. New year, I'm going to do this. And by the middle of January, you want to give up. Oh, this is too difficult. You know, you put these targets up and oh, you want to give. You need perseverance. You want to become more holy. You're going to read the Bible more. You're going to pray more. You're going to blah, 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 blah And then you say, oh, this is too tough. It's not for me. I'll try again next year. <laughs> no, 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 no. What we need is perseverance. Perseverance. Amen. Pressing on when you feel like giving up. If you want to be useful to Jesus Christ, you need to learn perseverance. And perseverance does come from self-control. The impulsive person gives up easily. He is pushed around by what he feels at any given moment. When the impulsive person gets fed up, he wants to give up. <laughs> if you want to be useful to Jesus Christ, you need to grow out of that. Determine that you will rise above discouragement, which all of us face in our lives. Don't give up easily. Amen? Grow into perseverance. Perseverance. So the question that is where do you need to press on? What do you feel like giving up on right now? This may be an opportunity for you to grow in character and to become a more fruitful Christian. Huh? I'm saying a lot of things we don't want to hear today, right? It's not me, it's the word, right? <laughs> okay. And God knows our nature. And, and that's why he, he he brings the word to us because you see our nature will take us to the what easy place zone of comfort zone of no effort we want to go to the low energy level the whole of nature is wired up like that but we are people of God okay disciples of Jesus you got the life of God inside of us so we need to pursue we need to persevere exercise self-control and then number five Godliness, Godliness. We like to talk a lot about this. Godliness means simply a life that flows from a passion for God. Do you love Jesus? Some of you are careful in answering there. It's not a trick question. Okay. But, you know, we want to love the Lord, know the Lord, walk with the Lord. And worship expresses and refreshes your love for Christ. I trust you enjoy the time of worship this morning. I certainly did. And sometimes I kind of get carried away in the worship and I make mistakes with my quotes. But the fact is that we need to worship the Lord and and just have passion and love for Him. And enjoy His presence and enjoy being with Him and, 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 and endeavoring to hear His voice. Godliness. Be more like Him. Worship Him. Well, this love for Christ... Comes, must come above love for other people, love for our family, and love for the world. Because it is out of our love for Christ that we're going to get the love we need to love everybody around us. Amen? And we're going to get to that just now. And so the question here is, how is your love for Christ? What priority does worship and prayer have in your life? Are you worshiping and praying because that's part of the relationship. See, godliness talks about relationship. You will notice if you look at your own lives, I'm talking about to the older people over here. Um, you know that the older you become, the less you talk to your father. You talk to them, but let's face it. As, as you grow older, you talk less to your father. I and mean, when I was small, everything was, Dad, 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 help me, help me. And then all of a sudden, I began to grow up. And and I began to learn a few tricks from my dad. And all of a sudden, I didn't need dad anymore because he had taught me how to do stuff. And I could do it by myself. I don't need dad anymore. So it's not that there is a relationship problem, no. The difference is I am growing up, all right? I'm becoming mature. Eventually, guess what? I become a dad. And so our relationship shifts. I'm not dependent on my dad anymore. I don't have to talk to him every day anymore. Now, that's okay in our human relationships. But if I'm not talking to my heavenly father anymore, is it maybe because I think I've grown so big now I don't need him anymore? I can do life on my own. Thanks, God. You gave me strength. You gave me health. Now I don't need you anymore. One day we'll talk, you know. What the truth is, as long as I'm alive on planet Earth, in this fleshly body, I need him. I am dependent on him. In him, I live and I move and I have my being. And if I think I don't need to talk to my father every day, my heavenly father, I am fully myself. And I'm sending him a message that says, hey, dad, I'm all grown up now. I'm just like you now. I don't need you anymore. You've taught me everything I need to know. Thank you. Hello. That's an insult. Is this making sense? And so godliness, godliness means my pursuit of God. To understand that no matter how much I grow, no matter how much I achieve, no matter how much I do in this life, no matter how successful, important, blah, 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 I become, I still need God. I must still pursue that relationship every single day. Godliness. Godliness. Pursue Godliness. How is your love for Christ? What priority does worship and prayer carry in your life? Or do you live it for those moments when the panic stations hit you? When you absolutely need some help? Or when you've got nothing else to do, so, oh yeah, hey God, how's it going? I'm here. <laughs> hmm. Number six, brotherly Kindness. Now, remember, I spoke last week about you have to build on the foundation of love. And we need to be talking about love because it's a foundation we build on. And it's also something we do every single day. We put effort into it. And now here, the last two is actually two aspects of love that he's going to talk to us about. Number six is brotherly kindness. It's what he calls it. It's a, it's a generous spirit towards other believers. Brotherly kindness is the love amongst us here, amongst the Christians that we know. Amongst the Christians here in our church, and maybe other Christians that you know, you know, from other churches, in your circle of friends, in your school, at your place of work, your neighbor's friends, it's how we love one another as Christians. The word there, the Greek word there is Philadelphia, which comes from phileo. Remember the friendship kind of love. And so the person who is really useful to Christ is always asking, where can I give a helping hand to my brothers? How can I contribute to the life and the needs of others? Brotherly love, practical brotherly love. Hello? Huh? James, the half-brother of Jesus, says, Man, don't, don't, don't tell your brother who's angry, I love you, I'm praying for you. Give him something to eat. Your love must be practical. If you can help him, if you've got something to give him, give it to him. If you don't have anything, then, okay, then you pray together and you trust God to help you. But if you can help your brother, don't just say, God bless you. Bless him with what you've got. Amen? Brotherly love. If you are growing in brotherly kindness, you will be generous in giving and in helping. You will also be generous in your judgment of other Christians. You will be slow to think the worst of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you'll be quick to think the best. Hmm? So the question here is, where can you be more generous to other Christians? Are you aware of a Christian brother or sister in financial need? Are you aware of a brother or sister who needs a helping hand? Is there a brother or sister of whom you have been thinking the worst and you need to change that very quickly? Amen? Questions to think about. And then final one, number seven. Love. Love. And love is the familiar word agape, okay? God's compassion for the world, for everybody. Because God's agape is not just for the church. God's agape is for the entire world. And so this love is the God kind of love, selfless, that wants the best for other people. It's very significant that Peter calls us to grow in the love for each other and in love for the world the non-believers because god's love encompasses the world amen jesus died for all whoever can come to jesus god loves all the fact that not all respond to god's love doesn't mean that god doesn't love them it's their choice not to respond god gave us that freedom But God loves all, and we are called to love all. The brothers and the world, the unbelievers. Sometimes, Christians who are very passionate about reaching the lost are also very critical of their Christian brothers and sisters. And sometimes, Christians who are most generous to help other believers are quite heartless. In their judgment of the world of the sinners. <laughs> and you hear this harsh towards the world. Oh. Listen, <laughs> God doesn't give us a choice between loving our brothers or loving the world. We must love both. We must be generous toward our brothers and towards the world. Yes, we are called to prioritize the domestic in the faith, but doesn't mean we judge and criticize. We allow God's love to flow through us. Brotherly kindness and love for the lost. So the question is, where can you demonstrate God's compassion for lost people? Are you aware of someone outside the church who is in need? Do you know someone who has never heard of the good news of Jesus Christ? Do you have active friendships with people outside of the church? Now, these seven virtues that I've mentioned are things we are to pursue. All of them are practical things, not fairy stuff. All of them are actions that we can take on a regular basis. We can add them to our faith. We can add these actions, these virtues. And we're supposed to go after them with all our energy. Now, Peter follows this instruction by giving us a warning. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 9, he says... Whoever does not have them, these seven virtues, is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Ouch. What Peter is saying is is that if there isn't a sense in your heart that I need to pursue these things, then there is something wrong. And he summarizes the problem with three words, nearsighted, Blind and forgetful. If these things are not in some measure evident in our lives, he says, then you are nearsighted. You can't see into the distance. You've lost sight of the day when you will stand before the Lord and give an account of your life. Hmm. Eh? More than that, you are blind. You can't see what is going around you. You are stumbling because you've lost sight of what you are up against. And then he says you are forgetful because you have forgotten that you have been cleansed from your past sins. That means we've forgotten what it means to be a Christian. If you have no desire to pursue a life that is holy, you've not understood that Jesus came to save you from your sin. And to lead you into a different kind of life. Guys, our life has to be different than the worldly kind of life. Because we've got a different destiny, a different hope. There's something different inside of us. Amen? If it is not clear to you that this is the life that God is calling you to pursue and that you must pursue, then you must hear Peter's message today as a wake-up call. Because there is something wrong. But there is also a commendation. That Peter gives us. And a motivation in this passage too. Verse 8. 2 Peter 1 verse 8. For if you possess these qualities. If you have. If you are pursuing these seven things. In increasing measure. Amen. Not stagnant. In increasing measure. They will keep you from being ineffective. And unproductive. In your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. huh? Peter's not finished yet. He has some encouragement for us. What will happen as you pursue these things? If you lack self-control, if you give up easily, if you are critical of other believers, you will be an ineffective and unproductive Christian. I don't want to be that kind of guy or girl. But if you pursue goodness and knowledge and self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness and love, your life will be effective and productive for Jesus Christ. You will be fruitful. Whatever you try and whatever God calls you to do, you will be fruitful. Listen to verses 10 and 11. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election by doing these things. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Listen to that word. You will never stumble. And you you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. Look what Peter is saying here. You are already called and elected by God. Nothing you can do can add or take away from that. But you should have an assurance of belonging to Christ. (laughs) You should be able to see the effect of this grace in your life. Amen. And as you pursue this life that uh, Peter describes here, you will enjoy a growing confidence in Jesus Christ. Peter says that if you pursue these things, you'll never stumble, never fall. Amen? Uh, He doesn't say you're not going to fail. We will fail sometimes. But if we pursue these things, we won't fall. We won't fall back from the faith. We won't get away from God. You know, you you there's a difference between falling and failing. All right. And so God says, No, you, you you might still fail, you might still make some wrong decisions, but because you pursue me, you will not fall. I'm gonna keep you, you'll still be productive, you're still gonna be successful. You're gonna fail, you're going to learn from that, and you're gonna come out on top. It's amazing how much failure not falling, but failure, successful people have done. If you look at some of the people that have have succeeded, be it in sport, in business, anywhere, go and look at their life. You're going to find a whole bunch of of failures, okay, before they succeeded. But every time, what did they do? They pursued, they learned from it, they somehow exercised these disciplines. And they are on top of their game. Peter says, if you do these things, you will never fall. Hallelujah. And it says, if you do these things, not only will you be in Christ, you'll have an increasing joy and peace because you know that you are in Christ. And then to top it all, at the end of your earthly life, you will receive a rich welcome. How's that? You'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That means I don't just kind of get to to slip into the door of the kingdom. I got you. No, I get a rich welcome. You know, fanfare. Hey, Valdida's arrived. Hallelujah. Okay. In closing, and as I close, I'm going to ask the ushers to distribute the communion cups, please. We're getting ready now to have our communion. Amen. Those of you watching from home, get your bread and your juice ready. You can have communion presently. The Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Back there in Romans 8.1. But the Bible makes it clear that we will all stand before God. And we will give an account to our Father of our lives here on earth. When Christ gives his report to the Father about our lives. Remember, he's our advocate, our judge, our advocate, yeah, before the Father. When Christ gives the report to the Father on that day, I, I don't want Christ to kind of look at me and, and, and look at the Father and say, yeah, God, this is Valdir, And I know we put so much into him, but, eh, you know. No, 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 no. He was trusted with much. But unfortunately, Valdir was largely effective and unproductive. We'll we'll let him in because he trusted. You know, I I died for him and he put his faith in me. But unfortunately, he was very unproductive. And my reward will be tiny, 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 tiny. You know? I don't want to scrape into heaven. I I want your father, Christ saying, Father, this is Valdir. And then I want him to look at Mrs. Valdir. You are a good and faithful servant, man. Come on, enter the kingdom. Come on, fanfare, trumpets. Welcome in. Huh? What about you? Now, Peter says, here's the path that leads there. In Christ, you have everything you need for growth. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control. Perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. And if you do, you'll be fruitful and you'll be effective. And more than that, you'll receive a rich welcome into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? So let us use this checklist continuously this year. And let us grow in Christ. Let us do it intentionally, on purpose. Amen? Let us be fruitful and effective for God. Amen. Let us get ready to have communion. You know how the cup works, so let's get the bread ready. As we have communion today, let us remember that it was Jesus who opened the way for us to have access to the Father. It was Jesus who sent the Holy Spirit to be with us so we could pursue these seven virtues. Hmm. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is not distant. He's not far. He's near. As we begin the activities of this new year, and, you know, many people are especially this week, some started last week, but this week very much is going back to normal again. Whether it is, you know, studies, school, varsity, whatever, work, family life, business endeavors, new relationships and friendships. Remember this, He is near. The Lord is near. And He wants to be part of your life, every area of your life with you. So let us commit this year to Him. Every area of our lives to him. And then let us put effort. Not so that you can be saved. Because that work Jesus has done. You are saved. So don't put effort to be saved. But you put effort in pursuing these things. So that we may live godly lives. Fruitful lives. Lives that are pleasing to God. Let us stand please. And let's hold our bread. As we pray. Let us pray. Lord we thank you for the bread. Reminding us of your broken body. Lord Jesus. And Lord we thank you for your work. Of the cross. That because of that work Lord. We are saved. We belong to you. And now Lord help us. To live lives which please you. And to grow. In the knowledge of who you are, of your principles, Lord God. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your broken body, for salvation. And Lord, as we take part of this bread, Lord God, we just pray that you'll bless your people, those that need a healing touch. In Jesus' name, Lord God, I pray for healing in bodies this morning, Father God. Pains to go away, illness and sickness to go away in Jesus' name. Your body was broken that we may be one. So this morning, Lord, I pray for unity in your church, Lord God. Unity in this church. Unity in every Christian church. Unity amongst the people of God, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen and amen. Take and eat. Let's prepare the cup. And let us pray. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the cup, Lord. Reminding us of the blood of Jesus, which was shed for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that because of your blood, we are called and elected. We are chosen, Lord God. Thank you that through this relationship with you, we can pursue these seven virtues, Lord goodness knowledge self-control perseverance godliness brotherly kindness and love and lord because of our confidence in the work of jesus in the cross and the reality of our relationship with you lord we commit this new year to you lord as we drink of this cup at the same time lord we Commit our lives to you. Every area of our lives, Lord. I ask you to help us to pursue these seven things, my God. These seven virtues. I ask you to guide us and bless us. Every family, every individual watching that is here present. Listening to this service. Lord, thank you, Lord God, for embracing each one of us. May you guide us, Lord, in doing what is pleasing to you for your joy. For our joy and for your glory, Father. Amen and amen. Let's drink from the cup of blessing. Praise the Lord. Well, I trust you're being challenged. And I trust you're going to take note of this passage of these seven virtues. It will become part of your life this year. I pray this will not be a forgotten service by the middle of you know, next week. But to become an active part of our lives. The Lord strengthen you and let us all pursue these things. Amen. So now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain upon each one of us. It's strengthening us and helping us to pursue, to put effort into pursuing these seven virtues this year. To the glory of God we pray. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for being with us. Have a wonderful Sunday. See you next Sunday again. Amen. God bless you. Amen.